play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. G'day, it's Maddie C here, the commissioner of the Astro Fantasy Football League and owner GM of the two-time champion Carabao Kings. This is a great episode of the podcast series too because we're getting to know one of our owners. We've had Tony Connor, TC, the GM and owner of the Squazmongers on the podcast in the preseason, but this is a great chance to get refreshed with him and have a little bit of a chat about what's going on in the season for him. For those of you who've joined the podcast for the first time too, what is it? Okay, we're a 16-team half-point PPR fantasy football league, but we're all based in Australia, every single one of us. This league also has some unique bonuses. You get a point for 100 yards rushing. You get a point for 100 yards receiving. Our quarterbacks get six-point passing touchdowns. And as well, a quarterback gets an extra point for 300 yards passing. So this league is a complete unicorn, and here's one of our unicorns right now, Tony Connor. This is part one of our little chat, and it revolves around a whole bunch of great topics. We're going to talk a little bit about Tony's playing career and how he finished his career, a little bit about the Astro League and his love-hate relationship with Le'Veon, which I think is mostly hate at this point. We're going to talk about the draft, things like waivers and streaming and the amazing trade he pulled off, anyone who surprised him along the way, and, and a whole bunch about how to manage buys and, and playing in the division, what it's going to be like for him to get to the playoffs. So stick with me, join in, it's a great episode, and I think you'll really enjoy having a chat with TC from way over in Western Australia. Haskins has just been an absolute turd. You could be understood for being, you know, skittish about that. Take Fournette out of the lineup. Yeah, mate, I would have robbed Jeremy's size boner going for him there. <laughs> you have in-depth knowledge of what it's like to be boned this year. Wes is going to have to realise that he's just playing like a ginger piece of shit. This is Taylor Nailed, I've got to say. Week six is over. Essentially, we're halfway through a very rocky season, and there is a lot to talk about. So who better to bring on the show now than one of the biggest mouths in the entire league? He's a veteran of the Astros football team, part-time Zebra as well, having officiated games over the years also. But what we might not know is that he's 64-77 and 77 all-time in the regular season, holds a 3-1 and one playoff record. He's a former Astro League champion way back in 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in Anthony Connor, TC, GM of the Squazmongers. Welcome back to the show, mate. Oh, great, great to be back, Matt, over here from uh, the sunny west this time, not the rainy, cold... Canberra that, uh, that that was last time. Well, that's true. Quick recap for anyone who, who didn't catch this. In the preseason, TC was over here on the worst weather week. I think it snowed that week. It was just horrid. <laughs> oh, we had the bus tooting at us going past the pub. We had all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, it's great to have you on again and, and coming from the Golden West, mate. Um, what's it like over there at the moment? It's, uh, it's about 7 o'clock at night where I am. So tell everyone about what's uh, happening in your part of the world. Oh, well, the West is probably still stuck in about 1973. Um, I think this, <laughs> this new car called the Commodore has just been released. I think that Holden company is going to go places. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's, it's nice and sunny over here. It's, it's warming up. The, the local football season gets... Started in uh, ten days, so wow. I'm all geared up, all geared up for that, and my commitments there. So, yeah, it's been a, a busy few weeks, but a little bit of uh, time off, ready for the football season here. I guess for those who don't know, you were obviously a guest with me back in the preseason before. Uh, I realised that this was really going to become a thing I could do for the duration of the season. So it was a while ago. But look, mate, just for the benefit of everybody, could I just quickly ask you just to recap a couple of quick things? Uh, like for starters. How you even got involved with the Astros to begin with as a footballer here in Canberra, of all places? Um, well, that, that started back in 99 when I was in year 11. 
had a friend who just wanted to go out and trial, see if we liked playing gridiron. Yep. Um, started, a, had a couple of junior seasons in 2000. I played, started playing for the Astros, took on a role as a player and then as sort of like an assistant coach role and then took over the presidency towards yep. the end there. And then, as you know, we, we gave up in 2010 or 11, which was you know, sad for some of us, but it was you know, a, a slow death and we just had to pull the pin on it eventually. It was good that we all got to keep together, though, doing this fantasy thing. Yeah, there were sad days when you could see that that was coming. So, And I think I could see that it was coming. And for me, very selfishly, having made some terrific friendships in the, in the, the team, I was super unwilling to let that go easily and wasn't sure if I would play for any other team. So for me, that was what making the league was about. And guys like you coming into it is super important for it. But look, hey, also, obviously, the Astros wound up around about then, coinciding when they started. But did you play for anybody else after the Astros were done and done? Because I know they dispersed a little bit. I had a had a cameo, a brief cameo in 2016. I decided to oh. that, that I was a bit too young to retire. So I turned up for the Firebirds for the wow. 2016 season. This coincided with having a six-week holiday in the middle of the season when me and Jackal went to the US. So I only ended up playing five or six games. But I did come back from my holiday as a starting quarterback. As the, Holy cow. As the game before I left, our quarterback broke his thumb. So I had a four or five-week um, layoff before I came back to step into the role of uh, Luke Job and try my, hand, my uh, hands at handing off the ball to a running back. <laughs> and throwing little tiny slant passes. <laughs> that was pretty much the five-bird offense, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, and that's all I could do. <laughs> wow. I actually didn't know that. So it turns out, ladies and gentlemen, if you can find a TC Firebirds football card getting around there, get him to sign it. It's already super rare, but even even rarer if you can get his signature. Oh, it was even rarer me making a tackle that season as well. Had to play both ways, quarterback ends and linebacker that year. So that was a bit... A bit difficult on the old body, and I realised after that that I was a bit too old and a bit too banged up to, to continue. So I had my, my, my one comeback at the ripe old age of how old was I then? Would have been 32, and, yeah, decided I was way too old to do that. So I just stuck to my officiating. <laughs> well, you know Frank Gore, mate, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Frank Gore. I wanted Frank Gore too. I, I tried to grab him off Jackal before week one to handcuff him with Lavian, but Jackal yeah. wasn't budging. What was he demanding? The whole farm and your first three children or something? <laughs> he was demanding that we wait till after week one and turns out that's exactly what Jackal should have done because Le'Veon went down injured and Frank got the spot. Unbelievable. And then he gets back and we'll, we'll dive into this actually. Let's, let's talk a bit of fantasy, right? Because it's a cruel maiden sometimes and this season, well, it's been a fresh version of some kind of weird hell. After your draft, I know you thought it was a risk taking Le'Veon. Tell us the whole Le'Veon story. You know, this is open mic night. This might be cathartic for you, TC. Le'Veon. Nothing but trouble, Le'Veon. Well, it's 2018, I think it was. I picked him up number one overall, and that yep. was the same season that he decided to miss all 16 games because he wanted a pay rise and the Steelers weren't paying him. So wasted a number one pick on Le'Veon then. Uh, wow. Used my number two pick this year to take a chance. I figured in the Jets he was going to get his fair share of touches, put up good yards, put up good touchdowns, and after... But not even after the first week, he just hurt himself week one and had to ride him through three weeks of IR. And when I got the first possible offer to trade, I just 
jumped on it. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if you could get any return for him, you were going to be happy by the sound of it pretty much because he'd bitten you once and now he's bitten you twice, you poor bastard. Holy and, cow. And he turned out to bite Taylor at the same time because Taylor and I, you know, agreed to a, a trade before Le'Veon got cut from the Jets. Yeah. So Taylor, you know, gen- gentleman's agreement, went through with his trade. I, we cut off the, the rest of the trade that was going to go with that. He offered Hayden Hurst to, to, to make it a three-for-one deal after Le'Veon Ooh. got cut. I said, you know, just keep Hurst. It's, that's too one-sided. You know, it, I think it's fair enough what we're doing now. Now, that's what I wanted to understand here is that I, I'd spoken to both of you independently before you guys traded and kind of picked up what you guys were putting down there about what was about to happen without either of you really saying, here's what's going to happen. But the timing was kind of extraordinary because it's a player who, at the time you make this agreement, he's a member of the Jets and he hadn't had a very good week, but he was back on the field, he played the whole game, then you guys make this agreement and everything goes pear-shaped. Talk me through that. Tyler just um, came in and said, you know, what what, what do I need? Um, Essentially for Le'Veon, I said I need a wide receiver too. Um, I need a, a running back to, to maybe fill a spot in a, in a flex or a bye week. He threw in the number one waiver as well, and I just couldn't say no, really. I, I got yeah. um, Chark out of it. So, I, you know, essentially we're going to be Chark for Le'Veon with a couple of, of sweeteners. I was short at tight end, so, you know, be- before Le'Veon decided to get cut, he just threw in Hurst as well and said just throw in Hurst instead of the waiver. So we agreed a, a, a three-for-one one deal, another D Johnson thrown in there. Um, <laughs> yes, D Ernest Johnson. That's the, the Browns <laughs> running back. D Johnsons are going to be the bane of my existence, I think, forever and ever in this league. <laughs> no, I, I was going to throw you a trade uh, for you this week for him just to see what you'll do. But you know, Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working <laughs> on other stuff, so we might need to talk later. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and then, and then, you know, Taylor, like Le'Veon, was not going to get anything. So, But Taylor kept his word which is what you want to see on a, on a trade that might back on you or someone gets injured before you trade. So good on Taylor for, for sticking through it. He's going to give some value to Taylor. He was Taylor's needs to win the next, what, six to have any chance of the playoffs. Yeah. He went balls in. He's in a he division went, where the team has got five wins already. <laughs> oh, he, went, he went balls in and he's just going to stick to it and try to do his best. It's hard not to admire Taylor, I think, this year too because he stuck his neck out in the preseason and made all these calls about what he thought was going to happen in wide receiver, some rookie running backs. He, he, he was kind of one of the guys who was happy to be a bit brash and kind of one of the early adopters of getting on here and having a say. I mean, he's owned up to all his calls. Um, he's started horribly and he owns up to all his strategy and he, he tries his best. And he, at 0-5, what's he doing? He's still swinging. Like, hard not to admire the guy. Uh, apart from the temper tantrum that he threw. But, you know, that was amusing for all of us that weren't named Taylor. So if he wants to throw a, wants to throw another tantrum, I'm sure we'll more than welcome it and and try to throw some dodgy trades his way afterwards. That was so good. So I guess just to fill in the blanks here too for anyone who's missed this one after week three when he went to zero three, he threw the greatest hissy fit I think I've seen for a while. He just bombarded the group chat with emojis and uh, and and uh, yeah, angry gifts. Left the group chat, changed his fantasy team name to the fantasy football team and changed his logo to the poop emoji. It was the best. Ah. Oh. It was so good. And then he comes to me and goes, one of you are legit going to have to add me back into the group because that was all just for dramatic effect. <laughs> uh, I, I thought his wife might have busted him playing too much fantasy football, so made him go on a hiatus. <laughs> so, yeah, she'll, she'll run the team for him and get some wins maybe. <laughs> that might be what's happening. Maybe Sarah's taking it over. You can't do any worse than what Taylor was. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs>
<laughs> so look, um, look, you're off to a bit of a tough start in the league as well. Obviously, you know, it all begins at the draft. Let's let's start there. How did you feel about your draft? I, I felt quite good coming out of the draft. I had what I thought was three three solid running backs, which is that the foundation for my team is usually running backs. Got got Lockett yeah. in the fourth, which I was more than happy with. Had, had a couple of, you know, Landry and Sanders in there. I thought Sanders, when I had him, was going to go really well. Turns out once I dropped him, he started doing really well for you. Yes, yeah, um, so I know a guy who's very happy with Sanders at the moment. Carry on. <laughs> so I, I thought I had, had a good, solid start there. But, yep. you know, Le'Veon got injured, so I blew week, week one. The Titans COVID thing hit, so my stalwart Henry was was bent for a week. Yeah. It, it just a couple of weeks there. I was just trying to patch up. Didn't have a tight end, but I never really try to go for a tight end. You know, I, I thought Larry Fitz was going to do more than what he did, so I kept him over Emmanuel. Turned out I should have done it the other way around. After two weeks, I just was not happy. Uh, but by then, all the fats taken off waivers and trying to trade anyone for anything of value becomes very expensive. I, I tried to trade Pete or ask Pete what he wanted for George Kittle, and he just said Derek Henry. Wow. And Henry's, Henry and uh, Rogers, they're the only people I have really. And that you know, Kittle is a big tight end, but he's not worth a, a 200-yard Derek Henry. Well, a running back one like that's so hard to get. I mean, there's I've seen enough pre, like you know, as the season rolls kind of rankings where people have said, you know what? If you put Derrick Henry as like your yeah, number three running back for the rest of the year, that wouldn't be crazy. And I kind of agree. I don't think it'd be crazy. And he's had his buy. Yeah. So he, he, send, it, send he, away like if you redrafted now, he could be the third overall pick. Yeah, and I got him. Oh, no, I thought it. A Kittle. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I, I mean, get why you wouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that he's a solid flex for for Pete. You know, two tight ends as the only person inside of two tight ends in a championship game. I can see the value in having two. Quality tight ends. <laughs> but can you also see why he's shopping one? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you can get a lot for it. The, the tight ends are just really doing rubbish this year. And the difference between a good one and a bad one is, you know, 10 or 11 points a week, which is yeah. if you have a bad tight end and a bad defense, you're giving away 20 points, which is essentially what I've been doing, just giving away 20 points just in two positions, which normally I pick up a – defense every week to try to play the numbers, but it just has not been paying it yep. off at all this year for me. I think the amount of streaming this year has gone up. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I mean, everyone's a bit more aware of other tactics as well. And there was a point where I was going to pick up someone just to drop them so no one else could pick them up for their bye week just to put them on waivers so no one could grab him. And that strategy that some of us have used when kickers have, have come up and uh, there's a, a Monday night kicker available and, oh, yes. and here's what's needed to beat you. So you you pick him up and then drop him again so no one, no one else can have him. So, oh, you know, those, I've, those, I've definitely been known to do something like that those, kind of before. Those sly so, tactics. So I stream tight end and I, I picked up Trey Burton this week on Saturday. And usually that's a move I would make on Sunday just to make sure whoever I drop, once they go through 24 hours away, it runs into... Oh, now you have to wait till Wednesday. It's to make sure that other people who need those five points don't have anyone to pick up for five points. Yeah, and that was normally my strategy for defense and kicker as well. But as you touched on a few weeks ago, Randy Bullock was the number one kicker and he was sitting there nicely in my squad. So I determined that I should not drop him and try to to get another replacement in just just to ride him through. So are there any players this year, whether they're in your team or not, 
But, I mean, you can probably talk to your team as well who have really impressed you in terms of fantasy or even on the other side who've really been surprisingly disappointing. I'll, I'll talk about my team because I, I drafted Mark Ingram, 1,000-yard rusher last year. He's got absolutely uh, in nothing this year. But he's it's a guy that I don't want to drop because he can plug that flex option for eight or nine points. He's not worth keeping as a running back, but as a flex, he's good for a handful of points. And the person I picked up to replace yep. him as the starter was Miles Gaskin. And, oh, yeah. and he just came off waivers. Oh, I didn't even know why I picked him up. I think I was just looking for the highest projection for that week. And he was sitting there um, after Lavian went down and he's, you know, he's yep. been a solid number two ever since. Yeah. And he looks like he's, also slowly picking up that red zone work where a couple of weeks ago when they had that, that Thursday night game against the Jags, so they were pulling him at the goal line to put in Jordan Howard. That seems to have changed too now and he seems like he's just their guy and he just comes out when he needs a breather for a bit and then he's back on, you know, no matter what the situation. So he's a good pickup for you and I think he will definitely feel a bit of that disappointment of Mark Ingram. Oh, and the terrible and- disappointment of Le'Veon. <sighs> Yeah, and like he's a whole subject on his own, isn't he? How, how much time would you need if you just we did a podcast of just you complaining about Le'Veon? Oh. How much time would we need to put aside? I'd probably need more time than what I would have to to talk about fits. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking down the rest of your draft board too because I've got to imagine sort of you get to Tyler Lockett. He's been good, and then he had a kind of dud before he went on by. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's kind of who he is. But then Jarvis Landry, Aaron Rodgers this week. Like it's just uh, you've, you've got some winners there. Mate. I do, and I think. I think after this week is the last of my tough buys where Gaskin's on a buy. Um, but after this week, I'm going to be pretty much at full strength based on my current roster for the rest of the season. I've got Rogers, Henry, Gaskin, yes. Lockett, and I've got Mike Williams in there now too. They've all had their buys. So that's a solid, a solid five week to week that I can at least rely on. Yeah, well, even then, the week after too, it's just DJ Chark who you acquired in that, um, in that waiver trade. Mm-hmm. And and then your tight end is currently Jimmy Graham, which, you know, you're saying that's one you stream. So, you know, potentially in two weeks' time, it might not be Jimmy Graham, but he's the only one then with a buy later on. That's got to fill you with some confidence that if you've got guys who you can sort of feel like you can start and have some confidence in that, well, maybe not all's lost in the season, even with the two and four start. Yeah, and I have Corey, Corey Davis sitting there who's just come off COVID and, and Landry sitting there. So I think receiver, I have a lot of receiver two and threes. So as long as Lockett remains healthy, um, I think after after essentially this week, I have a solid a solid at least ninety to one hundred points plugging in a defense and a kicker. So hopefully I can hit the 100, 105 average mark. Look, and that is about the average of the league this year, close to that hundred and five mark. So it's a bit higher than average in years gone by, but the trend is coming downwards. So I think we're going to probably end up at again around that 102, 103 mark, the way things are going at the moment, especially with players on bye, games moving, a lot of uncertainty, players not in their usual schedule of things. So if you can find a way to get 100 points and you feel good you can get 100 points week in, week out, you're going to win games, brother. And I'm in a horrible division, which helps. So I was going to bring that up next because here you are, you're two and four. It doesn't sound great in some divisions. That's almost purgatory. The leader in your division is three and three and everybody else is two and four. This feels winnable, right? I, I think we're gonna all of us gonna lose the next few weeks and come back to the the last three weeks of the season to see who can get through at seven and six. I think. Yeah, it's looking like that. I mean, so I saw people on Twitter today making jokes about the NFC East because 
none of them can win except against each other at the moment is pretty much how that division's going in the actual NFL. And there were jokes around going, oh, the wildcard weekend's going to be like the 10 and 6 Bears versus the 5, 10 and 1 Eagles. <laughs> and I was sort of thinking, well, sheesh, maybe our North Division's like that. We should rename it the NFC East. <laughs> I'm sitting fourth and I'm one win and 26 points off the lead. It's it's not a good division, yeah. but we're going to go through as the number four seed, get knocked off by whoever's number five and live to see another season next year, I think. We, we're not going to go very deep at all into the playoffs. Yeah, the problem number four has is that they face the best wild card. Uh, the best wild card this year, take your pick, is either going to be Pete or, or uh, James the Seahorse at this point because they're both scoring so many points. And they're either, you know, so James is four and two, but he's got the most points. And Pete is five and one. He's got all the wins. Who wants to face one of them in the first week of the playoffs? And you got Jerry as well. Jerry's sitting there quietly. Yeah, so he snuck into a wild card spot this week again. So just crept in there quietly. Jerry hasn't got a, the best record in the finals. Well, not in the championship game anyway, but he's usually always there and no. puts up some decent points, just gets some unlucky losses. Well, I'm like, I don't know what to make of his team either. He just went out and put 137 up by virtue of uh, Matt Ryan and Justin Jefferson, who he just got off Taylor, which is so funny. <laughs> Taylor trades them away and immediately they are super successful <laughs> for somebody else. But yeah, Jerry, I think, I don't know, his, his team keeps on scoring. So, you know, I don't, don't know that I'd love to play him like, as the playoffs sit now. If the playoffs started today, it would be me versus him in the other wildcard game. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would beat him. Well, I played him this week and he beat me, so that's why I'm giving a big shout-out because if you can beat me, the defending 2016 champion, then you can beat anyone. <laughs> Mate, he didn't beat you. He kicked you in the damn teeth. He kicked your butt. He took you to church. How many different ways can we say this? It was 53 points, mate. It wasn't close. And Aaron Rodgers had, what, a minus 0.2, I think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, can I tell you how just, just deliciously satisfying that was when I started the Tampa Bay defense? <laughs> and I bet Taylor doesn't feel so bad now about... Matt Ryan shit in the bed when he was a shoe in for a win. <laughs> oh, that was the most unbelievable result, wasn't it? Watching Taylor dissolve a 35 point projection win into it. Like, what was it, a 10 or 12 point loss? He, he did, it wasn't even all that close. Really did nothing. And Matty Ice did nothing. You could just see the vein on Taylor's forehead just exploding. <laughs> it was amazing. So, I guess just looking down your schedule, too, obviously this week you get Justin, who's. He's, you know, you're two and two all time against Justin's scoring a lot of points and he's three and three this year too. But mate, you've you've got a lot of big names coming after that. You've got the current number one seed, Pete, and the Jiggity Jigs, you've got BJ's Birdman, and then Marky Mark, the defending twenty nineteen champ, before going back into divisional play. You know, h- how are you feeling about taking on those sort of names in these next couple of weeks? Well, we all know that Mark's doing a bit rubbish this year, which is to be expected as a as a it's tough to come back after the championship and, year. And yeah, as a Dolphins fan, I mean, you can't really expect... He's got a lot of Dolphins. <laughs> you can't really expect much from, from, from him, can you? He's heavily invested. Oh, <laughs> for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, but I, I think <laughs> if I can come out, I, I mean, me, uh, Mark and Brennan will probably be close ones because they're not overly good this year. If I can come out with a 2-2 two and two heading back into the, the divisions, going there at, what, 4-6... and six? And then try to run the table and come out yep. six and, uh, seven and six. Well, and you know, all of this is completely possible at the moment. So you started the season with the two losses, then you come back with two nice wins. Now you've had two losses, mate. We know what's next. This is where this wins. is when I go on my four-game winning streak to make the playoffs and miss out by one win in the last week. <laughs> 
you know, that's probably what's going to happen, isn't it? And you're just going to be like, this league is out to screw It me. happens every year. I get on this little streak at the back end of the season to normally it's for a wild card spot, but this would be for the division. And somehow you screw me in the last yeah. week and I end up losing. You know, it'll be happened to, it'll be something like what Taylor just went through where you're up by 30 something in projections and just uh, a whole team of people you're relying on just put up a, a absolute yeah. duck egg. That, that's what will happen. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't have it any other way. I think that's the fun bit about this, though, is, you know, sometimes you have the high highs and sometimes you have the anguish-ridden ridden lows. And, um, you know, if you can't laugh about it, what's the point? I, you know, you've got to be able it, to laugh. It's all, it's all funny games until someone shoots his pants and chucks a tantrum and leaves the group. Another guy who was being drafted like he died too was... Oh, T.Y. Hilton. He's a good receiver. <laughs> he actually doesn't look great. Whole career has been defined by boom. Barkley. Or bust. Yeah. Or hurt. And to see him bang out 26 points was extraordinarily satisfying. A huge F you to the vinegar stroke. Look, that's going to be part one of the conversation with Tony. He's a really great hang. And we can come back for part two where we're going to talk about some things from... The Astros Keeper League, which will be great. We've got a big matchup this week, Tony and I as well, so we're going to break that down. There might be a little bit of spice in that too. I think the two of us are going to put up a little bit of a bet. Uh, We're also going to talk about a little bit of the engagement in the league and how there's just this wonderful enthusiasm about the Astro League this year as well. So come back and join us for part two. It's going to publish on Monday Aussie time. So for you in any other part of the world, it may not be Monday. It may also be on a Sunday, depending on where you are, because of where we are in relation to the dateline. But join us and find us, because we're on Facebook. Facebook and we're on Instagram at Astro League Podcast and we are on every single one of those podcast hosting sites. Any of your favorite places to get a podcast, you can find us. Subscribe because these episodes are going to come a couple of times a week and I think you'd really enjoy them no matter whether you're part of the league or whether you're somebody who's just kind of stumbled into us. Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Mm.